Hello, you're listening to Siren Radio. My name's Steve Court, and this is Word Perfect, where we bring you uh, an episode every week with uh, one of the fabulous writers who has come through Inspired.com. And this week, we are talking to Margaret Royal. So welcome to the show, Margaret. Hello, welcome. So we're going to speak to Margaret today a little bit about herself and about her, her experiences as a writer, but also very specifically, we're going to talk to uh, her about her new release, which is uh, Immersed in Blue. Uh, Margaret, for those people at home, just tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background. Okay, well, I've always written stories and poetry from a very young age, but especially after retirement, I really got back into it again, having a lot more time than I'd had previously. And it was kicked off maybe by finding a creative writing retreat on the beautiful, mystical, inner Hebridean island of Iona in Scotland. And I found this quite by accident, but went, met Angela Locke, David Clemson, who were running the programme, had a wonderful time. And I have returned there every year since, bar the lockdown year 2020, couldn't go, of course. And at first, it was just a nice hobby, a nice holiday to have. But um, then the desire to actually publish my work came over me and I started seriously writing and submitting to literary magazines and journals and getting onto the poetry scene. And now within the last, well, the last five years, it's really become more or less a full time job. So it keeps me very busy and it was certainly brilliant to have my writing in lockdown and I had three books published during that time, which I'm very proud of. So you could say I put lockdown time to good use, I guess. Absolutely. Sounds like you did. And um, so you mentioned, Elsie, that the big kickstart to this was your, your um, writer's retreats out in Iona. Now, for a lot of people at home, their only real experience of what a writer going into a retreat is like is um, The Shining, which is not exactly the greatest example of what happens to a writer. <laughs> no, so no. tell us a little bit about what, what actually happens when you go to this writer's retreat. Um, well, we stay in a really beautiful, quirky little hotel that overlooks the sound of Iona. The front looks across and the garden looks across to Mull. It's a very romantic setting brilliant sunrises and sunsets. Um, There are only 200, about 200 inhabitants on the island. And other than their cars, no cars are allowed. So it's a very quiet place, a wonderful place for contemplation. And we gather in the hotel and we have daily workshops there with Angela. And we do some meditation before a session. Angela has a Tibetan singing bowl, uh, which she she got from her travels abroad and her time in Nepal. And um, she starts by playing the singing bowl while we meditate. And this seems to be a catalyst for the release of all kinds of stuff. So whatever comes to us when the meditation is finished or what came during the meditation, we generally have about a quarter of an hour to write, to commit it to paper. 
and that sets us up for the day. We then have our tasks and sessions. Sometimes everyone on the retreat will be in one session and we share work. Sometimes we split off into smaller groups. So that's a morning session. And then in the afternoon, there's free time to carry on with doing what we want to do, either writing our final project, which we're given, or going exploring the island, going for walks. And then later in the afternoon, there's generally a technical class when we look for an hour at the technical aspects of writing, do some exercises. And then it's getting changed for dinner, dinner as a group, which is wonderful. Really scrumptious food in the Argyle Hotel. They have their own organic garden. And after dinner, we reconvene for about an hour's session where we do some more sharing of works, more writing, and if time allows, finish off with a meditation. So that's the daily program for about five days. But the journey itself is really quite a pilgrimage. Takes me over a day to get there, and you can just about get back in one day, but it's an exceedingly long day. Um, So you feel rather when you're going on this long journey on the train, two ferries, a bus, a walk, that you are on a pilgrimage. And of course, uh, we're encouraged to explore aspects of the island. There is the famous Iona Abbey there, founded by St. Columba. There's a heritage centre. There are a few little boutique type shops, craft shops, cafes, um, and we are encouraged to use information we find in the Abbey and in the Heritage Centre to write pieces about Iona. So over nine years, I've become well acquainted with it and found out a lot about things that happened there shipwrecks, um, the monks, all kinds of things. So that is incorporated into what we write. And for the end of the retreat, we're encouraged to produce a final project in the form of a haibun, which is it's a Japanese term. It's really a combination of prose and poetry, possibly postcards, maps, things you've discovered while you've been there, um, a bit like journaling. So it's a combination of uh, travelogue, a journal, poetry, prose, and we produce something visual, maybe um, some sketches. Those who are able artists have produced some wonderful works and wonderful artistic work. And then we put it out on display on the final afternoon and everybody can come and look at everybody else's projects and comment on them. And then we finish with a final celebratory dinner. And the very last thing we do, which may sound a rather strange thing to people listening and I myself found it quite strange the first time we ever did it. We go up 
into the old nunnery ruins quite close to the hotel and we blow bubbles. We go in pairs and we blow colourful bubbles. And then we have our closing ceremony when uh, COVID permitting, everybody is hugging and saying farewell. Uh, so it, the, the whole thing is a very moving experience. Yeah, it sounds really involved, which is which is nice, isn't it? So it gives it you, is, uh, keeps yes. you busy for the entire time you're there, but gives you, like say, plenty of time where it's uh, sort of independent for you to reflect on things and use that within within what you're writing so so it sounds like a great thing and i think writers retreats in general are, are really really good there's some really and um, the the arvin centers run some fantastic ones oh yes um, yes across the country and i know there are lots of independent mm -hmm. writers who run some some great ones as well so um so yeah if you're a listener at home and you're interested in uh sort of getting involved in something like that um and they are very varied as well that's the other thing i'd say about them as well so if if there's there's elements of what you've just heard there you know if the idea of for some people meditation is too far um, for a start point, there are other ones where obviously they're, they're a bit more thematic. If you're into writing certain uh, genres or styles uh, of writing, if you're writing a novel or you're into poetry, there are, again, there are specific places you can go to find those. If you are at a loss and you don't know what to do, you don't know how to find these people or these places, then do feel free to get in touch with me at Inspired. You can email me on inspired at gmail.com and I will be happy to answer as many of your questions as I am able to. Um, so thank you very much for that, Margaret. That was great. So um, you said you mainly got into writing after you'd retired. So was it something you'd, you'd done prior to that or did it really all start once you once you retired? No, I'd done it from age three onwards. Um, I was born into a family of writers. My maiden name was Browning and allegedly my family on my paternal side has some connection way back to Robert Browning although I've never been able to pin it down exactly, but that was the story in the family. And certainly quite a few of the family members have written uh, stories, poetry. Both my parents were good at writing. Other people in the family have produced books of poetry. So it was something for which I had a natural affinity from a very early age. Even before I could really write properly, I would go to bed and then a poem would come into my head and I would shout out to my long suffering parents <laughs> and possibly my mum or my dad would come running with notebook and pen and I would dictate the poem in my head, <laughs> which sounds exceedingly precocious nowadays, doesn't it? <laughs> but that was the starting point. Um, through the years, I mean, at school, school inspectors came to my primary school and picked out my work and said it was quite exceptional, took my writing books away with them. Um, and I, I kept writing, but of course, life is very busy when you, you know, doing exams, going to university, then you meet someone, get married, rear a family. There's very little time left to actually do much serious writing so it rather got shelved during middle life years but had a, an absolute rebirth in uh, retirement again fantastic no that's brilliant well so you say something like that's always been with you then it's just uh finding the uh the free hours in the day to sit down and write which i think is 
you know, for a lot of writers, especially those who aren't necessarily doing it professionally and who are, you know, still having to have a day mm -hmm. and, and do other things. I think that is always the thing, isn't it? Where, where do you is. find the extra hour in the day to just sit down and, and write? Yes. That's the challenge. Um, yes, you have fantastic. to make well, it a priority. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's it. It's trying, to, it's trying to decide which of your children can afford to not be fed today so that you can find some time <laughs> to sit down and write. Um, he's like, you, you were fed last week, Charlie. It's not your turn. Um, but no, that's great. So thank you very much for sharing that with us, uh, Margaret. It's good. We're going to take a quick musical break now uh, where we're going to listen to our first track of the day, which is going to be uh, Hi by James Blunt. Now, as always, our musical tracks are selected by the writers themselves. So uh, Margaret, sorry, so was there a particular reason you chose this song? Um, yes, I like James Blunt. I've got some of his albums and I like the words Beautiful Dawn and Running Wild. To me, those are images of Iona. Um, one year I treated myself to an expensive sea view room and I could actually sit up in bed very early in the morning, draw back the curtain and watch the sunrise. And that was an absolutely wonderful experience. And the whole island is quite a wild place, especially in a storm. So some of the words in the song really resonated and it was for that reason that I chose it. Fantastic. That's a great reason. And this is James Blunt with Hi. Beautiful dawn Lights up the shore for me There is nothing I'd rather wake up and see with you Beautiful dawn I'm just chasing time again Running 
to siren radio you're listening to steve court and this is word perfect uh, you were just listening there to james blunt hi and we are joined today in our, our uh, show by margaret royal the writer so we were speaking a little bit before the break there about her experiences on the writers retreat in iona in the in the hebrides and uh, a little bit about how she kind of got into writing at an early age and uh, and how that's progressed through her life but what i want to talk about now margaret is the the latest release the book um, so Immersed in Blue. So yes. tell us a little bit about Immersed in Blue. Well, this book is a fusion of the work I've written on the island of Iona during these retreats. Um, so I was talking previously about how we were encouraged to pr produce a final project. So much of the work in Immersed in Blue is work that I've written over these nine years for the final project. Some of it is poetry. There are a couple of short stories, amusing incidents, which happened to me, which I've related at the end of the book. Um, there are also some beautiful colour photographs included, courtesy of a friend of mine who has been on the retreat with me, Moira Brimacum, who is a brilliant photographer. So the cover of the book is one of her photographs and the bookmark postcard, which comes free with the book. There are two of her other beautiful photographs on that too. Uh, so I'd call it a fusion, really. It's a bit of a mixture of a travelogue, a bit of memoir, a bit of journaling, poetry and prose. So it's quite a hybrid. I think that's quite interesting because there is something for everybody there, I think. It's not just poetry, not just short stories, but a fusion of things. Absolutely. So yeah. I think it's it a very nice hybrid. I think it's got a... Um... What well, what's really uh, apparent when you when you read it as well is the sense of place. It really does capture what it is to be on that island at that time when you've been there, or at those times when you've been there. Um, yes, I hope so. That was very much my intention in writing it. 
And I thought, well, I've done nine of these now. Uh, it shouldn't really go to waste. I should share this with other people and perhaps it will encourage them to go and visit Iona and the Hebridean Islands, which are just magical in my view. Yeah, they are fantastic, aren't they? And the, the landscape of the place is just awe-inspiring when you are when you're yes. there and in those places. So, But yes. one other thing that's quite inspiring about this book as well is, is your intentions towards what happens when people do buy it. Um, oh, yes. Um, copies that are bought via myself, £5 is going to be, from every book, is going to be donated to my local hospice, Beaumont House Hospice in Newark, Nottinghamshire. And that is where my late husband died. And he was so lovingly cared for, looked after in his final days. Not only him, but myself and the family were given such loving care too, um, that I've always wanted to raise funds for what I consider to be a very, very worthwhile cause. And I know many listeners will have been touched by people they know dying of cancer. Many will have had experiences of the wonderful care a loved one has received in their final days at a local hospice. So I just thought it would be a lovely thing to do to dedicate some money from each copy sold to this cause. Absolutely. I think that's a uh... A very noble and a very good thing for you to do. And I'd say if that helps to uh, alleviate the suffering of another family further down the line, then that, that yes. is all the better for Absolutely. that. So mm -hmm. if you are interested in getting yourself a copy of the book Immersed in Blue, there are a few ways that you can do that. Um, but based on this, my overriding advice is go to Margaret. So if people wanted to get in touch with you, Margaret, and, and, and order a copy, what would be the easiest and the best way for them to do that? The best way... <coughs> excuse me, if they have internet connection, is to go to my website, which is margaretroyal.com. All lowercase, Margaret Royal has two L's, R-O-Y-A-L-L, margaretroyal.com, and they will see in the menu options, Immersed in Blue, and you can click on there, and all the instructions for buying a signed author copy are there. That's or I guess they could get in touch with your radio station if they're not on the internet. Absolutely. What I was going to say is if you, if you struggle to find, say, obviously, margaretroyal.com will take you directly to Margaret and you can order your copy from there. If you're struggling with that, again, you can come through to myself. If you come to inspired at gmail.com um, or go to inspired.com and you'll find all the information that you need on there. Um, and we can help put you in contact with with Margaret to get that. And not only do you buy the book when you do that through Margaret, but you also get the uh, the, the photo card, the bookmark card, uh, which has some more of the photographs from Moira Brimbacombe. And you'll know that five pounds of your money is going towards such a good cause as well. So definitely uh, worth considering. Now, the book is available now. Uh, so if you want to get yourself a copy, it is available from now, although there will be an official launch event uh, at the start of next year, won't you, Margaret? So tell us a little bit more yes. about your plans for that. Yes, um, a poetry colleague has helped me to arrange a free online event on Sunday, the 9th of January in the evening from 7pm to 9pm. Um, it's via Eventbrite. 
and uh, <clears throat> yes, it'll be me as the author reading from the book, reading poems and bits of prose from the book, taking questions. And I have other guest readers with me that evening who will be performing their work, including Steve Court here, who's speaking to you now. Um, yes, we've got Brian McManus and Patricia Osborne, who are going to be reading from their prize winning poetry conversation. And Kerry Derbyshire and Kelly Davis, who are going to be reading from theirs. Joe Weston, Paul Brooks, and my son, Simon Royal, who's also a poet. I hope I've remembered everybody's name there. Fantastic. No, so nice jam-packed sort of evening as well. So again, yes. if you want to get yourself a copy of the book, you can go directly to margaretroyal.com. That's Royal with two L's. You can come to inspired uh, at gmail.com or go to inspired.com website and you'll find the information you need there and we can put you in touch. And then that event there is going to be on Sunday, the 9th of January. So there's plenty of time for you to get yourself uh, booked in, which again, you can either contact myself or Margaret to find out how to do that. Or if you go to Eventbrite, then I'm sure you'll be able to search and find the event on there if you search for Margaret's name and the book title, which is Immersed in Blue. Um, fantastic, right. Margaret. So the, I always speak to writers at a really interesting point. Um, which is normally that the book's written, it's produced, all the editing's done, you know, it's gone to the printers. We're maybe at this point where we're talking about a launch event and we're doing some marketing. But in terms of you as a writer, we're at a stage where that's done now. So what, what's next for you? That's a very good question, Steve. Um, I've started writing my first novel. Uh, slowly but surely, <laughs> is proving a lot more difficult than I ever really thought it would be. Um, and of course, I've been busy with this book and other projects. I've been invited to be a guest on several blogs to talk about the new book. So I've been getting all that stuff done as well. So the work on the novel has rather got pushed to one side. But come the new year, I'm going to carry on with that. And also, I think I'm going to start writing part two of my memoir, which I published early in lockdown, my memoir of childhood, The Road to Cleethorpe's Pier, which is all about my childhood growing up in Cleethorpe's at the seaside. Um, I've had so much praise for that book and so many requests to write part two that uh, I'm seriously thinking that's another project perhaps for next year. <clears throat> and of course, there's always poetry. I'll always be writing poetry for something or the other. So I think I've, I've got a full programme once the new year arrives to keep me busy the whole year long, really. Absolutely. It sounded like retirement might have been a mistake. You seem too busy. <laughs> <laughs> well, like many people say, they're busier in retirement than they ever were going to work. And it's very true. But lovely. I Absolutely. enjoy it. Yeah, well, it's, it's good to keep yourself busy, isn't it? And keep uh, keep the, the brain active and, and uh, feel like you're 
working towards something. So it sounds yes. like you've got lots, lots on your plate ready for the new year, which is uh, always a nice place to be in rather than hitting January and wondering what you're going to do next. So um, exactly. it's, it's great. So, so just to recap, if you are interested in uh, Margaret's book, Immersed in Blue, you can go to either impspired.com or directly to Margaret at margaretroyal.com. That's royal with two L's. Um, and again, it's uh, raising money for a really, really great cause, which is the uh, Beaumont House Hospice in uh, in Newark, which is, uh, you know, does some fantastic things to help support people who are um, at obviously some of their, their darkest and hardest times. So uh, a very good thing that you're doing there, Margaret. So thank you very much for um, talking to us today. Before you go, though, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing, which is to introduce our final track of the day. Uh, which is the piece by Carl Jenkins. So tell us a little bit why you've chosen that piece. I've always liked Carl Jenkins' work. Um, it reminds me of uh, world, well, world music, something a bit different. And the first time I ever heard Adi Amos, I was just spellbound. And listening to it, I've got several of Carl's albums, listening to this music always takes me far away to places I love, like the islands, especially Island of Crete, the island of Lindisfarne, Holy Island, and of course, the Isle of Iona and the Outer Hebridean Islands, where I've also been. So it's a kind of memory jolt if you like so that's why i chose it fantastic what a great reason to have that um again fantastic to speak to you margaret thank you for joining us today um and if you are uh, enjoying word perfect you can join us again next week where we will have another writer where we'll find out all about them and about their experience as well so thank you for listening to word perfect my name is steve court you're listening to siren radio and this is carl jenkins playing us out mm-hmm.